got to continue on the subject of peace. And the test remain the same. Romans 14, 17 to 18. The kingdom of God is not made on drink. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Verse 18 says, For he that this thing serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. <clears throat> All right. Uh, this evening I want to stress some certain areas. Why and how do we receive this gift? All this aspect of the kingdom of God which has to do with peace. How do we receive it? How do we qualify for it? I want to stress a few things this evening. And uh, perhaps the key thing we need to notice, we have this peace because we are forgiven. So we have the peace of God because we are forgiven our sins. But I would like to read some scriptures on that so that we can have an understanding. I also like us to start from the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 4. And I'll begin to read from verse number 27. Leviticus number 4, verse number 27. The Bible says, And if any one of the common people Seeing through ignorance why he doeth something somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord, concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, or if his sin which he hath seen come to his knowledge, then she bring his offering. Keyed of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he hath sinned. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering and slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his fingers and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. Verse 31. And he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar for his sweet servant unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for him and it shall be forgiven him. Amen. Now, if you will take time to read from verse 11. But 11 down to 12. And then 13 down to 21. You're going to find three categories of people specified. The first class there are part of what we can see. If, if, you, if you want to look at it from even 26. From 26 to 20, 22. That is Leviticus 4, 22 to 26. You're going to talk about the sin of the elders. And their representative. It talks about, for instance, the tribal leader or one of the head of the tribes sin. Uh, they should offer a sin offering as well, which has to do with 
this peace offering. The, the bottom line is, all the class of people, talking about the people generally, talking about the leadership generally, talking about the priest or whatever the case may be, anytime they sin, they offer what is called sin offering, which turns out eventually to be a kind of peace offering. Because when they are forgiven, there's a reconciliation between them and God. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, you find out, if you look at it, it take time to read the Bible later, you look at uh, Leviticus 4, 22nd or 22 to 26, then look at 27 to 35, and then on and on, just like we're trying to say. So now, the major characteristics and purpose of the peace offering is the forgiveness of sins. That's the major thing. Amen? Which is both corporate and individuals. In other words, the sin offering, in, in the way it was going, and the peace offering, the way it was going in the, in the tribe or the community of Israel, the church in the wilderness, as the case may be, even by the time they come to the land that they receive uh, the Ten Commandments, it was all structured in such a way that whoever offers it is to receive the peace of God. Amen? You receive the peace of God. Just like I said, initial time, it has to do with the exchange of your sin with the goat. That is why you lay your hands on the head of whatever animal you are going to offer. And then maybe it's like you are confessing your sins upon the goat and the goat is killed as the case may be. Now, I want to give you a typical example of a man who understands this. Uh, and that is King David. Can we turn to the book of Second Samuel chapter 24? Second Samuel chapter 24. Are we there? I want to read just verse 25. Now, this is where David as a king numbered the armies of Israel when he wanted to go to war. If you look at Chronicles, the Bible says Satan tempted him. That is some of the things we need to see. Satan tempted him to number the children of Israel. But if you go to the other side, it's like he has to do it. Then the question is, who really did it? Was it Satan or God, as the case may be? But the point is, he numbered the children of Israel. Now, what was he seeing there? The scene was, he was going to depend on himself and the strength of his army to win the battle. He was taking God away from his strength. That was his sin. Now when that happened, God came down and said, You've seen, now you choose. Famine and then the destruction or the defeating wall, as the case may be. He gave him three options. And he said, I would rather fall into the hands of the living God. Amen? And then we are told, God sent the angel of destruction to the camp and people begin to die. Right? And so at the point, David had to go back to God and say, Hey, I'm the one that's seen, not the people. But something happened in verse 25. Look at it. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Can you see it? So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. Did you get that? You, you saw it there? Right. What stopped the plague? What stopped the destruction? The peace offering that David offered. Amen? So as soon as this peace offering was offered, 
God's anger was a peace. And I'll tell you it. So when you begin to see how the Bible says, our iniquity and our transgression were laid upon him, it means the anger of God was appeased because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Did you get that? Because the destruction was going on. So even in your life, all you need to do, what I'm trying to make you see tonight is this. Your peace is guaranteed as you trust in the sacrifice of Jesus because his anger can never go beyond the peace offering being ordered. Once the peace offering is offered and he accepts it, his anger is assured. He can't go beyond that. He's entreated. And Jesus has done that for us. Amen? Alright. So, that is what David did. So when the trouble was on, seeing the whole problem, David knew exactly what to do. It wasn't just a matter of prayers. He has to go and offer the, the sacrifice. Now for you and I, there is no sacrifice we are going to offer. Amen? We don't need to offer any sacrifice. We don't have any sacrifice we can offer. They can please God. And so we only need to believe in the sacrifice that he has offered. And they have the assurance that we have the peace that comes from that sacrifice. Is that okay? Alright. Okay, so let's move on now. Uh, so, just like I was saying, so when we're reading, you read your Bible and talk of the chastisement of our peace was upon him. This is the meaning now. You begin to see the meaning of what we're saying now. Is that okay? It's not a parable. It's not a story. You just know the reality of the sacrifice of Jesus. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Meaning, by the time it was offered, we have peace because he took the wrath of God that was supposed to be upon us, upon himself. So God's anger was turned away. Now we become the beloved of the Lord. Amen? We become the beloved of the Lord. So we can have this peace. Right. Praise the living God. Okay, so let's look at something. Um, Colossians. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians. Uh, I, I should think I would like to read this from the Living Bible, but let me just read and see. Praise the Lord. Uh, look at verse 20, but I'm going to read from verse 15, or verse 18 rather from the message. But let me first read verse 20 of Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And have you made peace through what? The blood of his cross. I want you to understand it now. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. Amen. Now the first thing I want you to know there is have you made what? Peace throughout the blood of his cross. Understand what the blood did. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. So understand what the blood did. What he has for you. The blood guarantees peace in your life. Amen. Did you get that? So don't you forget, David offered a peace offering, the anger of God ceased. Destruction cease. Calamity in Israel because he offered what? The peace offering. Is that okay? Right. Same thing. So when Colossians, Paul is writing him and said, Have you made peace? In other words, through the blood of the cross, we have peace. God's anger against humanity has to cease. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, 
I would like to read it from the message, but I'm going to be taking it from verse 18. And when it comes to the church, I'm reading, he organizes and holds together like a head does the body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. Now, leading the resurrection parade. I don't know, Lord. I don't have to go this way. But understand that. Meaning, the parade is already on. Meaning, resurrection is already on. Are you there with me? So, he says, leading the resurrection parade. He's supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there. Towering far above everything, everywhere. Everyone. Verse 19. So special is he. So roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Now, I want you to know something here. For instance, let me ask this question. How tall is Jesus? <laughs> how many feet do you think Jesus is? Now, how wide is he? Or how big is he? Watch this. The Bible says, so that your mind sometimes will come to a place of total realization. The Bible says, as in Adam, all die, even so in Christ. That means Christ contains all that died in Adam. So how big is Christ? Now, see what this guy is saying here. So spacious is he. He's describing a person, not a house. Are you there? So roomy. That everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. In other words, the whole world can see enter into Christ and there is still space to accommodate people. Are you there with me? Okay. Verse 20. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death. Hallelujah. His blood that poured from the cross. Everything is coming together. And I like the description here. Everything. People and things. Animals and atoms. Hallelujah. You see, that is why the Bible says, in a twinkle of an eye, remember the story, or well, we told that some years back, talk about in a twinkle of an eye, hmm? in the book of First Thessalonians, remember that? Okay. Are you talking about twinkle of an eye in a moment? Hmm? But what moment have nothing to do with split seconds in a time piece? The one moment is from the word atomos, which is the word atom. And the atom prior to this time is the indivisible part of an element. Am I still correct? Good. Meaning, what the scripture is saying is, Every at 
term of your being that have experienced corruption by reason of Adam will receive life again. That's what he's saying. He's not talking about lifting from the ground. He's talking about a change. At Thomas. So that's what this guy is saying here. He said, by reason of the peace, look at what he says, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Hallelujah. Verse 21 says, You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you all high your backs turned to God and thinking rebellious thought of him. Give him in trouble every chance you get. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. Verse 23. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust. Constantly tuned into the message. Careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message. And I want you to know that. Just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. What message? That God is reconciling. That God has made peace between him and everything in creation through who? Through Jesus Christ. No other message. Paul said there is no other message. And you have to be careful. I would like to read this place again as a point of emphasis. Because it's important. You don't walk away from a gift like that. What gift? Making you whole and holy in his presence through the blood. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust. Trust in him. That he is not only promising you peace, he has made peace available through the blood. Amen? Constantly tune in to the message. Tune in to the message. Careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message. Just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. I, Paul, I am a messenger of this message. Hallelujah. What is the point of distraction now? What is the point of diversion? For anybody to preach to you again that God is angry with you. It's a distraction. It's a diversion. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Because the peace had been made between you and God. So God can't be angry with you. So anything that will, any prophecy, any message that will come to you to say God is angry with you, either because of the sin of your forefathers, it's a diversion, it's a distraction. Did you get that? Say there is one message, even creation is believing for that. Not two messages, one. We just need to be grounded. We just need to trust in that fact. And that is what will deliver the peace for us. Trusting God has made peace through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
We must be careful not to be distracted. We must be careful not to be diverted from that one simple message of what the Lord himself has accomplished. Now, let me read a scripture here. Romans 8, verse number 6. Romans 8, verse number 6. No distraction, no diversion from this one simple, straightforward message. I got a problem with God. Jesus came and solved the problem, but died for me. When the cross was lifted, the blood poured down to the earth, peace was guaranteed. Amen? Somebody have to believe into this one. Hallelujah. Somebody just have to believe into what we're talking about tonight. And the peace of God shall be established in your home. Romans 8 verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What then is it when we say somebody is carnally minded? Distraction. When your mind is off, look at what it says there. For to be carnally minded is is death. Right? But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Trusting in the spiritual sacrifice. Trusting in what God has done. Life and peace. So when we talk about somebody being carnally minded, it's not the issue of just doing one thing or the other. It's when you are distracted, when your mind is shifted from that sacrifice that the Lord has offered. When your trust is no longer that sacrifice, you are carnally minded. And the result is not about what? Death. And the death is not necessarily dying physically, being buried in the grave. Because even when Adam died, he was still alive. The day you eat of this tree, he shall surely die. Did he eat? He ate. Did he die? He died. So to be carnally minded is dead. You know what? Not to trust God is dead. This death comes with mysteries, come, I mean, with sufferings, with pains. You just need to come to the place of trusting the sacrifice of the Lord and me. Listen to me. There are some messages that have to come to you. Just let whoever, let the voice know. I'm, say it loud and clear. God has made peace with me. He's not angry with me. And if God is not angry with me, if God is on my side, nothing can be against me. No power. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes people wonder... I remember somebody asking me a question. I said, listen, the Bible said they shall surely gather together. God didn't exclude their gathering from guaranteeing you peace. You will have your peace, you will have your joy, you have everything you need, but they will surely gather together. He didn't exclude it. But the gathering should not be our attention. Because even God made a provision for their gathering. They shall surely fall for thy sake. So the more they try together, the more they have opportunity of falling. Hallelujah. So, our ability to stay focused on this truth will grant us the peace we require in life. We must not be distracted. Let it be established that God is not angry with us for both sins of ignorance and committed because he has found the perfect peace offering in who? In Christ Jesus. This absolute. Absolute. Amen? To be carnally minded, therefore, is to think outside of what Christ has done. 
It is a struggle to try to make peace in our own way and by ourselves. Staying focused, therefore, is to be spiritually minded. Very simple. Very simple. Amen? Did you get that? To be carnally minded is what? Dead. To be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. And what would I do? Colossians, the Bible says, stay focused, don't be distracted, don't be what? Diverted. That there is one message. What's the message? The cross. Reconcile man back unto who? Unto God. Don't be distracted, don't be diverted. No matter whatever form is going to be packaged for you, don't be distracted, don't be diverted. Hallelujah. See, your trust can deliver all things from God's, from God's storehouse to you. Your trust. You see, I was speaking to somebody too that yesterday, actually overseas, was asking some questions and we said, the Lord simply made a statement. I will be faithful to the faithful. And I will show myself crooked to the crooked. Very simple. A crooked man is a man who is not straightforward. Am I right? Uh-huh. You are here and there at the same time. Fine. And God will play the same game with you. I love him. <laughs> you are crooked, he will show himself crooked. You are straight, I will trust him. Listen, like Esther. Is Esther who said that? If I perish, I perish. That is the kind of trust God honors. That's the kind of trust God honors. There is no way. Can you see the Daniels? I mean, Lions Den, the Shadrach, Meshach, whatever the case may be. Amen. If our God cannot deliver us, let us perish. That is the kind of trust that He honors. That's the man that is faithful. But He will show Himself crooked to the man that is crooked. So if you think you are here and there, He will still do the same thing with you. That's why he said the same thing. Book of Ezekiel, he said, if a prophet comes and he wants to prophesy, you go to the prophet to prophesy. He said, I'm going to answer, make the prophet to answer them according to the idols of their heart. So sometimes the thing you carry to the prophet's heart is what God gives back to you. It's already in your heart. You already know what to say. God will tell the man to tell you the same thing. The prophet will not know it is God making him to see the thing he's seeing because you already built up an idol in your heart. Say, you should answer them according to the... I say, I, God, will answer them according to the idols of their heart. But it's not God talking. It's the prophet talking. But it's God talking through who? Through the prophet. Can you... You see, sometimes we don't understand. We make this prophet lie to us. Because of the idols we build up in our hearts. How does that happen? Can you see what Balaam, what Balaam did? Balaam could not cause because God can't allow him to do what? To cause. The tongue, he can turn it. The heart, he can turn it whichever way he wants. So, he was able to seize the tongue of Balaam that Balaam could not cause. Instead of causing, what did he do? He blessed. Even so, go and meet a prophet. The idols of your heart, God will still tell the prophet, tell him this is what he should see or this is what it is. It is God speaking but God is still answering you according to the idols of your heart. Why is it so? Because we don't trust him sufficiently. We don't. Even when he's speaking to us, we don't seem to listen. Even when we hear, we don't still view faith what he's saying to us. What am I saying tonight? There is no other peace you can look for in this world that God has not guaranteed. It's in the sacrifice of Jesus. You just need to stay with this message. The cross is the answer. Hallelujah. To all our struggles, all our problems, the cross is the answer. 
Because if you can make peace and reconciliation with God, there is nothing outside of you that can destroy your life. Let's move just because of time, because I need to read a couple of other scriptures here. Okay. Hallelujah. Look at Romans 2. Romans 2 and verse number 10. Romans 2 verse number 10. Now, uh, I think I'm going to read this, but just take this and it says, But glory, honor, and peace to every man that will the Jude false and also to the Gentiles. I'm trying to look at the word, work it good. Peace to the man that work it good. What does that mean? It means there are some things we must do to have the peace. Okay. I would like to read the same translation. I mean, the same passage from... Let me read from another translation here. Living Bible. Look at it. Romans chapter 2. I'll read from 7. A person's habitual conduct, whether good or evil, reveals the condition of his heart. Eternal life is not rewarded for good living. I want to know that. Eternal life is not rewarded for good living. In other words, it is not what you do that guarantees reward. Eternal life. <laughs> that will contradict many other scriptures, which clearly states that salvation is not by works, but it is all of God's grace to those who do what who believe. That's what I want you to say. It's all of God's grace to those who believe. If eternal life is a reward for good works, then the scriptures say it contradicts several other scriptures that say salvation is simply God's grace. Not of work. That any man should do what? Should boast. Amen? A person is doing good shows that his heart is regenerated or regenerated. Now, so when he says Seeking good for peace simply means it regenerated that. What's regenerated? It might have received salvation by reason of the Holy Spirit. That's all. So the good man is the man that believes in Christ, the cross, the blood. The one that is doing evil is the man that have not accepted the offer. You can just see the simple definition of evil. It's the same thing to say to be carnally minded is death. That is the evil man. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. That is spiritual man. That is the regenerated man. And that is good. Amen? That's the good man. The good man is the man that accepted the sacrifice. By a simple belief. It says such a person redeemed by God has eternal life. On the other hand, a person who continually does evil and rejects the truth shows that he is unregenerate and therefore will be an object of God's wrath. Is it simple? If you refuse to accept the peace offering, what is the next thing that is left for you? The anger of God. And God's anger is always against evil. Did you get that? Good. So, your life personifies evil, therefore you are qualified for God's anger. Because you have refused to accept the sacrifice, which is the peace offering, the blood. Hallelujah. Okay. So watch this. So what are we asked to proclaim as the sons of God, for instance? 
What are we supposed to be proclaiming? What's supposed to be the message? Just like we're reading. Let's go to Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. There is one message. Just one message. Message of the cross. You know, often when we preach the cross, what we really think more about when we talk about the cross is crucifying the flesh. Have you had messages like that before? That is the only thing we really think about. Sense the cross is that it brings peace to us. Simply reconcile us back to God. Are we there in Isaiah fifty-two? Huh? Let me look at verse one and verse two, then verse number seven. Verse one, two, and verse number seven. Isaiah fifty-two. Awake, awake! Put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on that beautiful garment, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth they shall no more come into thee, the uncircumcised and the unclean. Verse 2. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Lose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughters of Zion. Now verse 7 says, how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. How beautiful. Meaning, there is a message that captures the mind of God, and it's called the beautiful. Message. Those who carry the message have beautiful feet. And they are supposed to be in one mountain, Mount Zion. Hallelujah. Amen. What did they bring? They publish what? Peace. They bring good tidings of good. They publish what? Salvation. That saith unto Zion, Thy Lord reign it. You don't see anything here that will break somebody's head in all of this. And when he says, wake thyself, get out from the dust, in other words, I don't know. Let me not go that way. But you should know what the dust stands for. Huh? Now, let me just take your mind a little back a bit. This could be, well, when they were in Babylon, sitting down, crying, mourning, but if you go down a little bit deep, dust speaks of the kind of nature. And the man that was supposed to feed on the kind of nature of the serpent. When Adam was caused, say he would suffer to be able to produce. The ground will not produce. And then the serpent, because he did this, dust shall be their food. Huh? And what did David say? He said, Lord, you remember that we are dust. So the fallen man is actually the meat of the serpent. The kind of nature. So when carnal thoughts are running through your mind, the serpent is walking. That is a dragon in the sea. Feasting in your mind, feasting in your thoughts. But he says, Zion, you better wake up. Awake. Shake yourself out of the dust. In other words, get into resurrection life. And stop being carnal. Think spirit. Then have peace. 
Think the cross of Jesus. Think about the blood. Oh, Colossians. Colossians 3. Said because you are sitting together with him. Set your affection above. If you be risen. Have you read that? Now that you are risen together with him. Set your affection on things above. None of things on the earth. Don't live on the dust realm anymore. Think heavenly thoughts. Think peace all the time. And then you have life. Guaranteed unto you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, you see, Paul captured the same spirit in the book of Romans chapter 10. Now look at what he said in Romans 10. Romans chapter 10. Look at what Paul said. I'm reading 13 down to 15. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I'm sorry here if I may punctuate something. I was thinking that whoever should confess his sin shall be saved. Otherwise, why do we learn on people to make confession when they want to accept Jesus? <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, am I talking here? But what is the Bible saying here? Whosoever shall do what call. Then somebody will ask me, but Pastor, what about First John? The Bible says, if we confess our sin, it's faithful and just. Who was John writing to? He was writing to the Gnosis, those who don't believe in Jesus. Not you, in the true sense. You call by reason of your belief. The Gnosis have to repent and accept Jesus. You've already accepted Jesus. You call to be saved, in a way. Listen, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? That's the key. And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without what? A preacher. Verse number 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written. Now it's going back to Isaiah 52. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, not bad things. Good things, not evil things. Good things, not dangerous things. The glad tidings of good things. The Bible defines the kind of good news we are supposed to preach. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. It didn't end there. Of good things. That's good news all the time. Hallelujah. Christ is good news. The cross is good news. Amen? How beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. You see, how can they believe now? How can they believe? Oh, okay, how can they call to be saved? Except the first belief. How can they believe? Except they have to hear. How can they hear? Except somebody have to be sent. Meaning, if somebody is truly sent, there is a message. No wonder Paul said it's one message. Your peace with God is guaranteed. The blood of Jesus. God is not angry with you. Anytime he wants to be angry with you, he sees the blood. He can remember that the peace offering was offered. Are you still there? Good news. Praise the living God. 
So the message of peace is meant to be proclaimed from Mount Zion. Like we read in Isaiah 52. The highest realm of authority occupied by the redeemed sons of God in relation to the world. Now you see, if you watch Mount Zion, Jerusalem, and the rest of the people, Mount Zion was occupying on very high mountain peak, as the case may be. And then down below you have Jerusalem. So you have Zion, Jerusalem, and the rest of Israel. Is that okay? Now, the King David was staying in Mount Zion. Alright? And uh, it speaks of those in authority. It speaks of those in power. Right? Are you there with me? Good. So, Mount Zion is a place of authority, a place of power, because the King David was staying there. Right? Now, we are asked to proclaim this good news from Mount Zion. And again, you need to have an understanding. Here is a comparison between Mount Zion and Mount Sinai. Okay? Hallelujah. Okay, let me read the scripture before I say what I have to say. Turn to Psalm 48. Psalm 48, just a little bit. Let me say something here. Psalm 48. I'm reading from verse 1 and 2. 1 and 2 there. Let's see. Are we there? Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation. Joy of the whole earth is what? Mount Zion. On the side of the north, the city of the great king. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get that? The joy of the earth. How can the earth receive joy? It means it must come from Mount Zion. And the redeems of the Lord are the ones that are with Christ on Mount Zion. Meaning, we sons of God are supposed to actually be a personification of the peace of God and the message we carry is a message of peace that we take to the rest of the people from Mount Zion. Now, let me show you something. The difference between Mount Zion and Mount Sinai. Mount Zion is a, it's like the Christ mountain. Okay? Mount Sinai is like the Moses mountain. Alright. Now, what happens in Mount Sinai? It's a place of fear. It's a place of intimidation. It's a place of doubt. It's a place of no relationship. Because when the law was to be given to the people, the Bible said because God came down thundering and lightning and the people were afraid. And the Bible said the whole place quaked. In fact, there was an instruction that no animal should touch the mountain. Anything that touched the mountain should be stoned to death. Are you getting the picture here? But we didn't come to Mount Sinai. We came to where? Mount Zion is the realm of peace. Therefore, most preachers, sorry to say, who are declaring what they are declaring today, they are declaring from Mount Sinai, not Mount Zion. Did you get that? So there's a message from Mount Zion, and there's a message from what? Mount Sinai. That's what we're seeing. Or some of those prophecies, some of those things that come to intimidate you, they are coming from Mount Sinai. Anything that gives you fear, anything that drives you far away from God is coming from Mount Sinai. Praise the Lord. Some of you need to judge and check some of those things that really comes to you. 
You need to check them. From which mountain are they coming? Is it Mount Sinai or Mount Zion? Revelation 14 tells us about 144,000 who are with a lamb in Mount Zion. Is that okay? I mean, we are together with him, Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai. Deuteronomy 13. The Lord was speaking to me a few weeks ago. Something happened and just woke me up, gave it out to me. And if you read that scripture, it tells you something. It says, if there arise a prophet or a dreamer of dream among you, and gives you a sign or a wonder and a miracle, and it comes to pass, but it turns you away, your heart from serving the Lord. Say, thou shalt not believe that man. I have only allowed the sign and the wonder to come to pass, to so prove your heart whether you will trust in me. So the meaning, if a prophecy or a miracle come to pass, doesn't mean it is God. You only want to prove your heart. Verse 12 says, such a person, whether it's your father, your mother, your sister, your friend in the community should be killed. So that fear will come into the camp. Oh my God. <laughs> Praise the living God. You need to check out some of these things. We are not in Mount Sinai. We are in Mount Zion. And we proclaim peace. Hallelujah. We have a message from the Lord. The message of peace. And as you receive it, as you believe into it, the peace will definitely come into your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. That is why it is not eternal life we read before. It's not a reward for any good work done. It is just what? The grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen? Did you get that? Okay. Now look at something again. Let me show you something. Haggai, the book of Haggai chapter 2 verse number 9. Haggai chapter 2 verse number 9. You know the story very well. And it simply said, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former. See the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace. See the Lord of hosts. Ah. You need to understand the house as well. Not just the house as the Rubabel built. Because Hebrew 3 tells us precisely of the two houses. The first house was built by Moses. Second house was built by Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Come on. Are we together? Right. And the first house that will be by Moses was built in Mount Sinai. Second house that will be by Jesus is built as it were in Mount Zion. And he said the glory of this latter house, which is Mount Zion, shall be greater than the former. What is that supposed to mean? The kind of peace we are supposed to experience must be greater than the peace we are supposed to experience on the other side. There's a greater glory in Mount Zion, which is the latter house. Hallelujah. It is clearly stated here, therefore, that the true peace can only come out of Mount Zion. Meaning, the sons of peace shall come forth out of Zion, proclaiming the very glad tidings of their redemption and peace they have received in believing into him. The glory of my Zion is greater than that of what? My Sinai. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Now Romans fourteen nineteen says Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherein though one may edify one another. Even in your message, let's follow the things that make for what? For peace. And the things that edifies one another. Where? In Mount Zion. Amen? 
according to Hebrew 12. Remember Hebrew 12. Verse 22 tells us that. You have come unto my Zion. Is that okay? I just read Romans 14 verse 19. Hmm? Did you see it there? Is it there? Okay. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify one another. Very important. If you are truly a child of God, if you are truly redeemed, if you are truly born again, if you are truly man Zion, there is one message that you are carrying. Peace. Is that okay? Anytime, anywhere. Whether in your place of work, whether in your home, the only thing that guides you is what? Peace. That's your re-identity. Your re-identity. Praise the living God. Now, it's blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The sons of God, or the children of God. Where do you find the children of God? Mount Zion. Blessed, happy to be envied, that's what it means, are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. Okay, let's see if we can just begin to round up. I have two more scriptures or so. But this is important. How do you have and retain this peace then? How do you have this peace and retain it? Romans 15 verse 13. Romans 15 13. I'm going to read Living Bible. I'm going to read King James. King James first. Now the God... Of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Is anybody there with me? I would like us to read this together. Talk with me very quickly. Romans 15, verse, verse, verse 13. Are you there now? Look at what he said. Now, can we go together? Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? In believing. I just wanted to stop there. In what? In believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. May God fill you with all joy and all hope and all peace in believing. That's the key thing. There is no way what I'm talking about can bless you or benefit you outside of you believing. No guarantee. Hallelujah. You need to come to believe that you can have joy. And you can have it abundantly. You need to come to believe that. I see. That word is too powerful. To them that believe, all things are possible. Let me read it from the Living Bible. So I pray for you Gentiles that God will give, who gives you hope, will keep you happy and full of peace you believe in him. That's the key. I pray that God will help you overflow with hope in him through the Holy Ghost power within you. Everything I'm talking about is resident in your life. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's be in a little bit. Uh, Romans 16. One more scripture. What follows this peace manifesting in your life? What follows it? Hmm. Hallelujah. I like this one as well. 
Paul saw all of this, got all of this, walked, I believe in it. Romans 16, verse number 20. Are you there? And the God of peace, not the God of anger, the God of peace, not the God of trouble, the God of peace, not the God of confusion, because it is what he stands for, what he represents that he will give to you. Amen? And the God of peace shall do what Bruce Satan wear under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. The God of peace will bruise Satan wear under your feet. No confusion in your head, my people. Yes, sir. No confusion. God is at work. You just need to receive this and retain it by simply what? Believing. Now, now, now. Look at Second Thessalonians. This is another dangerous scripture. Second Thessalonians. We can stop there tonight. Second Thessalonians 3 verse number 16. I would like you to go back home, go through your Bible, begin to read about the peace of God. Begin to study about the peace of God. And begin to ask the Lord to really give you this peace that passes all understanding. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 16. Are you there with me? Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. Oh no. The Lord be with you all. What I love there is this. By all means. In other words, God will want to use every means possible to give you peace. Oh God. Can you think about that? Now, the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. By what? By all means. The Lord be with you all. Amen. Praise the living God. So there is peace because God is going to make peace available to you. And he said, by all means. Do you know what it means by all means? It's like God can take his life to make sure you have peace. By all means. Doesn't matter what has befallen you. It doesn't matter what you are passing through. God wants to give you peace by all means. Because a cross is the only answer. He gave his only begotten son. He's not a fool. He paid a price. So, he will make peace available to you by all means. And permit me not to say this. But even if it means somebody dying for your sake for you to have peace, it will happen. Because I say by all means. Are you there with me? If some people will not leave you, that you may have your peace, it can still be by all means. I didn't pray for it. But somebody had to leave you alone. I'm not talking to somebody. Because I said, by all means, I, I don't, anything can enter there. By all means. For you to have your peace, it has to be by all means. Now, I don't know. So that's why I said what I said. I didn't pray. But if somebody had to leave this head for you to have peace, it is still by all means. Is the God of peace. That is the God we serve. The God of peace. The Lord of peace himself. Give you peace, always, by all means. The Lord be with you all. Amen. God bless you.